Hi, I'm Brent Stafford, and this is RegWatch by RegulatorWatch.com. The B.C. provincial government is taking what it calls bold action in an effort to stem the rise in youth vaping in the province. The new vaping regulations announced today include increasing the provincial sales tax on vaping products from 13 to 20 percent, restricting the amount of nicotine in e-liquid to 20 milligrams per milliliter, and forcing plain packaging with health warnings on all vapor products. The new rules stop short of a full flavor ban on vaping products. Instead, BC proposes that flavors be restricted to shops that enforce age restrictions on sales. There's approximately 150 such vape shops in the province, and they would be able to sell additional flavors, though the details on that yet are still a bit unclear, and we're going to talk about that tonight. Many of the proposed changes to vaping in BC mirror the policy suggestions made by the Canadian Vaping Association, which RegWatch first reported to you in October. Joining us today is the past president and current board member of the CVA and the architect of the CVA policy position on vaping, Sean Casey. Sean, thanks for joining us again on RegWatch. Hey, Brent. Always good to see you, man. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and it was good seeing you down in D.C. Uh, for the Vapors Rally, which uh, obviously a lot of people uh, were at. So taking a look at what British Columbia has done, because it was a pretty big deal. They had three cabinet ministers there, a lot of news coverage on it. And obviously, it's a very important issue to British Columbians and Canadians. What does the Canadian Vaping Association think of BC's decision? Well, we're optimistic. Uh, we think that they have followed a number of the parts of our template. Certain areas I'd like to see them go further. Obviously, other areas were a little uh, unclear about the details of. There's a lot of things that we can ask questions and we see a lot of our members already on social media uh, directing questions to us that we don't have clear uh, answers for. Uh, but overall, uh, optimistic. So what are some of the uh, standouts in your mind that are positive? Um, positive, um, um, that they haven't banned flavors. We've seen that uh, happening all over the place. Uh, so they didn't follow uh, what others in uh, the government in BC were uh, suggesting, which is a full flavor ban. I think that they are clearly, hopefully seeing that lung illness was related to THC and not to vapor. Um, they're taking a fairly mature stand relative to the issue of youth uptake in their province. Um, they're recognizing that uh, age-restricted stores have acted responsibly in the past number of years, and they don't see them as the focus of the problem. Um, they agree with us that uh, the advertising that's being put in play by Big Tobacco has been, quite frankly, overboard. Uh, just about everywhere and the impact that that has. Um, you know, we've, we've kind of stayed fairly light until recently on nicotine restrictions, um, but we feel that we can live with uh, a 20 milligram per, uh, per milliliter. Uh, and um, yeah, I, I mean, they're even saying transparently, I mean, they've really tried to be transparent. I mean, I like the fact that they've uh, had three tiers of government, three ministries, and they're talking about something very specific, this Quit Now program and education programs that the PST dollars from tax will fund. So what is the, why the nicotine restriction? Why the nicotine restriction? Well, I think that uh, governments are finally coming to terms with the fact that kids uh, vape for nicotine and enjoy flavors. They don't vape for flavors 
um, and the nicotine comes along as a sidecar. Um, it's become very obvious, even in the United States, uh, that um, at this point in time, Juul could be unflavored, it could be puke-flavored, and kids would be still vaping 50 milligram salt nick. And the data is there. Right. Um, I mean, I know that when I started vaping, uh, the key thing was the higher nick, uh, you know, to really take care of the uh, two-pack-a-day uh, cigarette habit that I had. So what would a 20 milligram, you know, look like for adults that are trying to quit? Hey, listen, when I started vaping 10 years ago, 24 nick was all that was there. Um, I think that salt nick makes it easier to ingest and inhale uh, nicotine uh, for some adults. And certainly, uh, I don't think that it's unnecessary. Unfortunately, it's been abused. And we have to come to terms with the facts. We have a youth uptake issue. We uh, at CVA have not uh, ignored this. Uh, for the last nine, ten months, we've had a very um, specific uh, set of solutions that we've offered to federal government, Health Canada, uh, as well as uh, all of the provinces. And um, we think that at this time, if uh, a 20 milligram uh, per milliliter restriction is put on it, uh, clearly the evidence right now is how come uh, UK has no youth uptake issue, 20 milligram uh, limit. Right. So, fair enough. Um, let's uh, take a look over here at the CBC piece, and let me just uh, shoot that over to you, so you've got it. If you want to look for, um, if you want to look for the position that is the most deleterious to vaping, always go to the CBC. You can count on that uh, for sure. So, uh, you know, I found it interesting that the CBC leads off with the tax. And that actually is exactly what the Vancouver Sun did too as well and other outlets. And they're just focusing on the tax uh, as the first thing. I guess they really do see tax, tax taxation as being a, a valid tool uh, to make things work. Um, but you know, overall what I'm reading, that when I read the CVC piece, and I'm just scrolling it here for the audience, I'm not gonna do the full readout. It, it appears that, that these vaping regulations don't go far enough in some's mind, in some people's minds. Well, I mean, I think that what Minister Dix um, forgot is that kids are a lot smarter. Uh, and while kids um, are buying vape, um, largely they're buying it through social media focuses. And all of this regulation doesn't stop a kid taking granny's birthday $20 uh, converting that into a prepaid visa card and ordering from China. And that's why CVA has recommended that uh, all online sales need to be restricted to age-restricted uh, postage through Canada Post or other, company, uh, other organizations that might provide that service. That literally uh, regulates all of online sales uh, that kids are not going to have access. Okay, so we stop them um, because we're self-regulating in vape shops. And we're acting responsibly, so that's that's not an access point. So, okay, they limit uh, flavors and advertising and promotion. Another necessary point, uh, but we have to plug all of the holes in the dike, and otherwise they're going to be looking at flavors as the issue, as some have done in the states. Some uh, states have done com completely inappropriately. Uh, we think that the other hole in the dike that they have to close. Uh, is online purchases 
including Snapchat, okay, Instagram, uh, Chinese companies out there like Fast Tech and things of that nature um, that are very that vape is very abundant on. So let's, uh, you know, for the longest time, actually, it's not the longest time. I mean, uh, what's been going on in Canada has been uh, stemmed from the United States and the original epidemic uh, that uh, former Commissioner Gottlieb announced in September of 2018. And then it just took, took a couple of months for that, you know, panic wave to hit Canada. And then by January of this year, Health Canada was already issuing new uh, regulatory consultations. Um, and we and for those two major pieces, they are as yet to be delivered. Um, and I'm not actually calling out Health Canada here for dragging its feet because there's been a lot of developments, including the so-called vaping-related lung illness hysteria. But we are in a point now where Health Canada at any day should be coming out with um, the results of, of those two consultations. We hope so. Um, we have been working, we have a very good working relationship with Health Canada. They're very clearly understanding our uh, proposals to curb youth uptake. Uh, but this is history repeating itself. I guess just Health Canada works at a slower pace, needs to make sure they really get it right. This is repeating itself. Uh, Nova Scotia and BC jumping ahead uh, to further regulate um, e-cigarettes with the youth up to deal with the youth uptake issue. And Health Canada, I'm hoping that they're going to react very soon, but uh, so far we have not seen what their reaction is. Right. So what's going on in BC, you're hoping is going to be a template for Health Canada and other provinces? I, I would say globally. I, I hope that it gets adopted into the states. Obviously, uh, as you and I have been talking a lot about USA right now with everything going on there federally, I hope that it could actually be uh, an American state template and a federal template, not just Canada, but North America. We see that North America really has to jive together because uh, it doesn't make sense. Even right now in, in this regulation, when you have no regulatory framework in Alberta, what stops kids buying from a vape shop uh, just over the border uh, in Alberta with no regulatory framework, right? right? So uh, kids are smart enough to buy online, okay? Uh, if they're restricted somehow from one place, they'll buy from another. Uh, they're they're smarter than we think. Do you find it odd that uh, through an entire one-hour press conference and all of the coverage that this issue gets, that um, a discussion about parent, parental responsibility just absolutely never enters into it? And yeah. that's not just in British Columbia. That's Canada. That's the U.S. We just don't Global. hear about it. Globally. No. So I mean, would this not have been a fantastic time when the government of British Columbia has the entire uh, province and much of the nation's attention on this issue and national media's attention on this issue? And while they spend so much time, obviously it demonizes vaping uh, because the health minister, the education minister, they both specifically made comments that were derogatory towards vaping. The education minister outright said that it's uh, a myth that vaping is less harmful than smoking. And so these kinds of things really, you know, are troubling. So if they can get all of that into their press conference, how it's a glaring omission to not take a moment to say, and all you parents out there who happen to be buying these for your kids or 
uncles and aunts who happen to be giving them to your kid, you know, to your nieces and nephews, please reconsider that. N never. Yeah. And, and, and it concerns me as well that if they really don't think out their education program, clearly trying to scare kids these days that are pretty smart uh, and that are Google educated uh, can go on uh, very quickly and find five well-established peer-reviewed uh, uh, things that show that vaping is 95% safer. Um, you know, there's, there's issues though and that this all brings up and it, it really, really concerns me. You know, one is, uh, I'm looking for something right now that I just had um, up a little while ago, and, and that is public perception. And I don't want them to further mislead the public. Um, I believe it was the education minister that made a reference today relative to vaping and cancer. And there's absolutely no evidence uh, at all, um, even in the lack of long-term data on vaping, uh, that there's any uh, indication um, that uh, vaping could cause cancer. And the issue with that is, is that polling results right now uh, that were concluded in September said that 58% of respond respondents believe that the people that died of the Valley lung disease um, was caused by e-cigarette, nicotine e-cigarettes. Now, even worse than that is that nearly 34% of the respondents uh, said that cases involved marijuana or THC. They, they, they had no idea. And most strikingly, probably, is that only 22% of polling respondents understood that e-cigarettes that e generally were considered less dangerous than, and, than tobacco. And that's the problem that, that I have. Um, I don't want uh, kids out there scared uh, because, quite frankly, the kids that are going to vape or smoke are going to be driven to it even further. And because they're going to actually learn to, that they can't trust government and what they're saying. Um, because I don't want them to uh, say something that's almost propaganda, uh, that a kid could go home that night, get on a Google and go, well, what the teacher told me wasn't true. Yeah, and there's a lot there that you just said, actually, Sean, and, and we're going to get back to that. I want to make sure that we take a look here at this one particular portion of the CBC article that I found. It's right at what we're talking about here, and it says, quote here, uh, who is this? I'm not sure. Oh, well, it's somebody from the Convenience Industry Council of Canada. So uh, this particular quote might is obviously a bit self-serving, but the quote, the quote says, in fact, Government of Canada data shows that almost 90% of youth who vape or who have tried vaping are getting those products from social sources online purchases and gray market retailers. And of course, you you did absolutely just mention the online. I think that number might be a little bit high, but it's not far off. Like even when we had Dr. Brad Rodeo on the show, eminent uh, tobacco control researcher out of uh, Louisville, Kentucky, and he said the same thing. He said the vast majority of these devices that are getting into the hands of underage youth are uh, gotten by social sources. So. To, to just mention social sources all the time uh, and to never speak to those people that are doing the giving. <laughs> you know, they, my, my concern is, after covering this for so long, is that um, they treat vaping products much like guns. Guns, you know, it's the gun that's bad. 
Uh, and so we just banned the gun. And I'm making no comment here on firearms, though I'm, I'm pro-firearms. But the fact is, though, is that the demonization of the thing with no discussion on who's using it and, and all that is really an issue. And that model, the gun model and hysteria over, over the right to own a firearm is replicated with vaping. Absolutely. This is exactly the same progressive mentality towards vaping. They have absolutely gone out of their way to demonize it uh, over their fear of uh, a, and, and I've been dealing with this for five years now. Um, this isn't new. It has always been government and, and uh, health ministers issue is uh, creating a new generation uh, addicted to nicotine. Um, that's their biggest fear. Yeah, and it kind of drives me a bit crazy. So, um, <laughs> welcome to my world. Yeah, I hear you, my friend. So, all right. So let's unpack this a bit here. Could have been a flavor ban, and I have to give uh, yeah. the health minister Adrian Dix huge credit uh, for what he's done here. Devil's in the details. But from what we understand is that for the ubiquity of C store and you know all the mass uh, stores out there, it will only be tobacco flavors that are sold, and that includes the exclusion of uh, mint and menthol. So we tobacco, don't know. We don't know that yet. We don't know that. Okay. Yeah. Right, but we do know it's tobacco is what they are going to allow. Yeah. The, all they've said is non-age restricted stores are allowed to sell tobacco flavors only. And if a tobacco flavor could be menthol, okay, I don't think you can extend a tobacco flavor to mint, okay, i.e. Jewel selling mint, right. right? I don't think there's a mint flavored, okay, well, there might be, but then that extends to all flavored tobacco, which includes cherry, banana, pineapple, and grape, right? Right, right. And so based on what we've heard, the um, vape shops that are age restricted, so vape stores, um, they will be able to continue to sell flavored e-juice. Right. Okay. Yeah. But there, you were mentioning to me that their their candy, obviously, won't be. I, I think that the words that they used um, in most things were child appealing, and then they further described that to say candy flavors. What de definition that has? Okay. Does that mean that I take uh, my um, um, let me say, pineapple, uh, slushy, uh, freeze e-liquid and call it pineapple. Well, it's the same recipe. I've just marketed it differently. That more mirrors what happens in the federal TVPA, where we're no longer uh, allowed to label, promote, market, brand uh, e-liquids as child-friendly. And that excludes desserts, candies, uh, confectionery, uh, soda pop even marijuana flavors. And then the plain packaging. No, no information, except I think that they really want to highlight for safety reasons what the nicotine uh, and ingredients are. Uh, so nicotine levels, that's a safety thing. Uh, it really doesn't go much beyond what is already part of the federal regulations. Um, and certainly, I, I hope to heck uh, that that is... Um, mesh seamlessly with whatever federal regulations, i.e. I don't want to see our vendors out there having to create one label for BC and then Manitoba does something different and they have to have it, you know, I, I deal with a situation in Europe where we have uh, 26 member states in the EU 
and every single one of them uh, have a different label. So our, you know, lemon recipe uh, has a different label for every single one of those different countries, which is a real pain in the ass. Mm. Uh, the health minister uh, also mentioned he batted away. Uh, now, I I had to rebuild our my entire studio here. Basically, we got back from Washington, D.C., uh, and then on Monday, I spent that editing and the last two days recovering. And so today, rushed to get everything reset back in here. So I've got the I've got video of the of the announcement here. Obviously, we're not playing the whole, you know, 45 minutes. I don't actually have a time uh, input here. So you're going to have to bear with me. We're, we're shot in the dark here. Yeah, I watched see. it twice. I think I know a lot of the timestamps. Well, well, perfect. Well, so I'm, I'm sitting around here at uh, 2538. I think we might have something here. So let me just play it here. And Bond. Hi, Mr. Reed. Asked this during the technical briefing, but asked again. Why not ban flavored products like Washington State, Michigan, even uh, U.S. President Trump has talked about a ban on, on flavored products. Why not do that? And, and were you tempted to do that in any way? Well, I've talked about it. I, I think what we need um, here is a regulated market. Right? And that's what we're putting in place. So these are severe restrictions. Now, um, as of now, 90,000 retailers could potentially uh, present such products. And as a result of this, only adult-only vaping stores, which are in the hundreds, will be able to sell any product other than uh, tobacco-flavored or cigarette-flavored vaping products, which is a significant and dramatic change. In addition, um, flavors that are directly targeting youth will also not Sorry about that. I do understand what happened there. I thought I thought I took it, but I guess I didn't. Why not ban flavored products like Washington State, Michigan, even uh, U.S. President Trump has talked about a ban on, on flavored products. Why not do that? And, and were you tempted to do that in any way? Well, I've talked about it. I, I think what we need um, here is a regulated market. Right. And that's what we're putting in place. So these are severe restrictions now. Um, as of now, 90,000 retailers could potentially uh, present such products. And as a result of this, only adult-only vaping stores, which are in the hundreds, will be able to sell any product other than uh, tobacco-flavored or cigarette-flavored vaping products, which is a significant and dramatic change. In addition, um, flavors that are directly targeting youth will...
I can't hear you, Brent. You're muted. Yep, there we go. So significant. Go. Uh, thank you. Significant step. It sounds like it. Yeah, I, I, I think that they put a lot of thought and effort into this. I really do. I've dealt with a lot of provinces, I've dealt with a lot of states, and I've dealt with a lot of federal governments, uh, United States, Canada, and globally. And this seems to be one that they really thought it out. Uh, they feel that they're doing it for the right reason, and the, the reason is valid. Uh, there is a youth uptake issue in, in here in Canada as well as uh, in the states. Um, largely, as I said before, it mirrors, quite frankly, a lot of what we've been recommending uh, to governments in Canada. Um, I think he used uh, a lot of very specific words there, okay, um, and the word was regulate. Uh, I think he also brought up um, restrictions relative to how he's going to decide who is an adult store. That's going to probably lead to licensing. Already in Ontario, you have to be registered and let's call it licensed uh, with your um, regional health unit. Um, in Ontario and in Manitoba, we put in place uh, something that uh, defined what a specialty vape shop was, and that was in Manitoba, I think 80, and I think Ontario 85%. Um, that 85% of your sales needed to be focused around uh, vapor products. Um, so I'd like to see them very clearly define what a specialty vape shop is, as other provinces have. Um, and I think that. Um, they were just moving ahead as they did before under the um, Christie government, I guess it was, in Christy 2015. Clark, right? Yeah. Right? Christy Clark. Um, and that was called Bill 14 at the time. And now, obviously, Premier Horgan has is, is said, um, we can't wait. We, we hope that this leads the way for Canada. And this literally mirrors what uh, we've asked Canada to do. Uh, we have to ensure that... Um, age-restricted stores are very clearly defined at this stage. What are the premises that they need to put in place? Uh, we've uh, built our own, uh, through CVA, built our own age verification program that can be used in stores with Equifax, uh, a brilliant job done by one of our directors, uh, the owner of Dash Vape, Shai Bay. Um, we've gone to Health Canada. We've created a Canada, Canadian postage age verification online product um, and we really just need to now define some of these specifics. You know, what is the labeling requirement? Um, what is uh, a, a restricted wholesaler? What is an age-restricted store? Uh, what are candy flavors? And I think that we can work those out. I'm, I'm positive that there's a willingness to get this done and get it going right now. And uh, as the national stakeholder for the independent industry, CVA is, is very excited uh, to get to the table as soon as possible, and uh, and to detail these things out. Uh, so far, I mean, I haven't had much time on social media since this whole thing came out. I was unfortunately involved with some regulatory issues uh, in the states uh, late this afternoon before the show, and uh, jumping into a meeting. Okay, in fact, less than less than an hour into another U.S. <laughs> uh, regulatory meeting. Um, my day never ends these days, uh, but. I'm positive, Brent. This is this is a win, and and frankly, to those naysayers out there, and God only knows, uh, I have had my haters over the last five years as a lead advocate in Canada. Uh, I was the guy that started CVA, and uh, I've, I'm very happy with our board right now. We have a very strong board. It's very representative of the industry, large and small players uh, across our nation, 
Uh, in fact, we have, again, finally a French board member who I'm very uh, happy about and a great guy. Um, so I think that CVA is well prepared uh, to deal with this. And I think that once people really think this through, and if they look at the alternatives, if they look at what's happening in the States, uh, this is the, as good as it's going to get. Um, we're son of cigarette. Um, kids are vaping and, and that we didn't intend to. Uh, we, you know, we're dealing with obviously the bullshit hysteria that CDC has created for me and our industry, and it, that is what has affected our sales. But my biggest concern, as I said before, is changing the public narrative. There has to be balance where if you're a kid, you don't need to vape. Um, we're going to do everything to stop you vaping. So, okay, but if you're an adult and you smoke, okay, as we were at that point with Canada, and that's the most discouraging thing for me. You remember the probably the last time I agreed to come onto your show was at the CVE just after we had, you know, uh, Kumbaya meetings with Health Canada and they were publishing um, productive public education on vaping statements, right? You remember that. Yeah, and I that was, was so just for our viewers to make sure. You were on our show in August, but that was to talk mm -hmm. about the NAVA and the North. Okay, yeah. Right. But the last yeah, time sure. you the last time you did come on to talk about vaping uh, in Canada was at CVE in 2018. And it was a Kumbaya series of interviews that RegWatch did. It was a real shaking hands, you know, patting on the back, really, amongst everybody that was at the convention, uh, at the expo pretty much thought things were, you know, in a good position now that the TVPA was in effect. I have no issues with big tobacco coming into this space. Uh, but this is our industry that we created. I have issues with the irresponsible marketing and their drive for brand awareness that they're uh, struggling to create to come to it. Uh, initially, they didn't want any part of the uh, vape space. Now they're coming out and trying to get into retail stores every day. Um, I think that they're seeing the writing on the wall, that their ways are not being successful. Um, I don't think their product offerings are significant. And I think that they're coming to terms with that they have misstepped, uh, specifically here in Canada. I mean, without a doubt, uh, one thing that's ringingly true is every provincial minister I've ever met with, every federal uh, health Canada, uh, Director General, and you've followed my path, okay, over the last three or four ones leading up to uh, James Van Loon, okay, who's an absolute rock star, um, and uh, and the reality is is that we were getting somewhere. Canada was just about ready to lead in educating adults that this was a safe pathway, right? We use the word gateway. I like to use the word pathway, uh, a pathway uh, to a reduced harm uh, alternative to smoking tobacco. And that got perverted. We had 60,000 flavors for the last 10 years. As a flavor guy, I can tell you the permutations uh, of all of my competitors and myself. And, the, and I look at uh, all of the different variations of flavors and it really tweaks everybody's, um, you know, specific need, right? One person, you know, just loves lemon flavors and other guys love coffee flavors and other guys love, you know, whatever. Um, and we had 60,000 of those for 10 years. Big Tobacco comes along with five, quite frankly, not good ones. Okay, I'm a flavor guy, so let me call it you a flavor snob. Uh, I don't think that they're very attractive uh, or good tasting flavors. And all of a sudden, we have a youth uptake problem. Surprise, okay? If we follow the rise of Juul, 
uh, well, I don't think it was absolutely purposeful. Okay, one cannot deny the fact that they followed uh, tobacco's rule book in marketing in the early days. So uh, they uh, used Sean, and let yeah. me, and I'm going to give you plenty of time to to pile on, yeah, yeah. if need be. But let me just first ask you this, and just to get this in context here from the regulation mm -hmm. side. One of the key things about the policy position that CDA has, and that has, you know, as we said, there's a lot of similarities to what BC is doing right now and what you hope will be adopted across the country and by Health Canada and so forth. That position does go against uh, quite a bit about what is now the other side of the industry, which is the, the jewel and the big tobacco side. And that schism caused, uh, you know, the need for another association to get started, which is uh, Vita. And yep. we actually have been talking with Vita, and I'd like our audience to know that Daniel David, who is the executive director of Vita, is going to be on RegWatch next week, should be actually next Thursday. Um, that's what we have slated for right now, so barring anything, Vita will be coming on the show, and we'll get a you know whole hour and whatever time needed to talk through their issues and the things that are important to them. I would imagine that, and let me ask you, Sean, is that position, are they the losers today? I, I don't think Vita is a loser. I mean, no, the people their position, behind- Their position. Okay, yeah, I mean, but let's just talk about Vita because I want to clear the air. Um, Dan David is a great man. Uh, he's given a lot to this industry. Created ECTA along with Jonathan and Char and John and, and, and all of the group there at ECTA and did a magnificent job even before I created CBA as a trade standards organization. Um, and I think that the people that are involved as directors uh, all have good intent and stand up very solidly in the industry and I know them all well. Um, um, time will tell whether they have a purpose. And if their purpose is to uh, separately advocate for the position of big tobacco or selling uh, through a channel uh, that is C-Stores, which is not specifically uh, the purpose of CVA. The purpose of CVA is to protect our members' interests, which is independent retail, uh, small manufacturing and distribution. Uh, we do not and will never collect money uh, from Big Tobacco. At one point in time, when we were trying to garner enough money uh, for the Quebec lawsuit, uh, Fontem, who is not a member, uh, donated some money and we accepted it um, uh, for that lawsuit. Uh, but uh, I, I hope, I'll, I'll join Vita. You know what, here's my challenge. Guys, you have billion dollar companies and you have billion dollar bankrolls uh, sitting there. Um, you know, if there's a purpose to Vita, okay, I'd like to see them drop $10 million into public ed education to help adult smokers. And that's our common ground. We both have the interest of converting adult smokers uh, to transition to a less harmful alternative, which is vaping. Uh, they have their methodology and chain of sales supply, uh, which is sea stores and gas stations. You know, um, that's great. Uh, I don't have a, you know, I've been in the United States for 10 years in this industry and big tobacco has been in the industry for that 10 years through Views and Reynolds and uh, you know all the products that Big Tobacco sold there. There's never been a clash uh, between the independent vape shops and them until regulation came around, right? And you know, I 
will hold my comment, okay, and I will hope optimistically, okay, that the tactics that have been used to dominate the industry uh, to gain market uh, share are not replicated here in Canada. Um, and I know them very well, and I watched them being practiced by Big Tobacco, not through a trade organization like Vita, independently, but they all did the same thing. Um, and uh, so I'm hopeful, actually, that Vita has some purpose. So do you think, in your opinion, uh, Juul, Big Tobacco, the group, they're responsible for the uptick in youth vaping? There's without a doubt, and that's not me saying that. That's Scott Gottlieb saying that. That's the pollster saying that. Um, Scott Gottlieb came out on Monday on CNBC, and he believes uh, that his stats show that over 50% of Juul sales are to youth. Um, stats showed, okay, that immediately that they dropped flavors within two months, uh, mint and menthol became their most popular flavors. As I said previously on this uh, conversation, I honestly think that Juul could sell unflavored or puke flavored uh, Juul flavored pods and still sell a crap ton uh, of Juuls, right? It's reality. The kids want the high, right? Um, last time I checked, pot tastes like shit, okay? And you choke all, all day long, from what I remember, okay, <laughs> in, in, in the days. It's okay? legal now, Sean, you can admit. Yeah, this. well, I just, I, again, I, I don't experience that today. Uh, but in the days that I understood it, um, I remember it tasted like shit and uh, it uh, made you choke like crap. My biggest concern is, okay, in BC, and this is going to be very experimental, Brent, because you know that the stats are right now that BC has the lowest sales per capita of legal cannabis except for PEI in Canada, right? And that they have a vibrant black market. Uh, in the industry, in the cannabis industry in BC right now. So what's happening right now, and I'm very concerned, and I'm reaching out to the government, okay, and those in, in, in charge at Health Canada of the controlled substances, uh, to warn them as I have before, because I warned Health Canada two years ago with our lobbyists, okay, guess what, okay, they're going to be vaping cannabis, right? And cannabis oil, okay, is not healthy. Okay, and if you have any concern about vaping nicotine, PG, VG, or flavoring, okay, hey, do a little bit of research and look at what happens when you vape oil-based product. I will never sell an oil-based flavor. I have the research that says, okay, uh, that vaping an, uh, a lipid or a fat uh, and putting it into your lungs is deadly. And in this situation, uh, this was, you know, you and I both know, okay, this was no surprise to the CDC. Okay, uh, you and I have talked about it before. Top cannabis organizations, NCIA, Leafly, uh, Media, blah, 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 have been reporting on uh, oil uh, lung issues uh, for a long time. Um, we've been following it, watching the marketplace, and we've been seeing uh, these idiots out there in the selling illicit oil products using all sorts of surfactants, uh, from MCT oil to other things, that every one of them is bad. You know, vitamin E is just the next step. And what's next? Uh, we don't even know. So it really concerns me. Two things in BC. Uh, without a doubt, Premier Horgan, okay, has been very positive and very progressive about cannabis in BC. Um, he recognizes that he has not been successful. He's trying to get more outlets for retail. 
um, and that he has a massive black market issue. Um, so in this instance, I think that they were very mindful of the fact that no other industry in, in history, if pushed, will create a bigger black market than the vape industry. Um, you know, the, the entrepreneurs in this industry are young, they're smart, they're aggressive, um, they have social media and marketing skills, they have SEO skills, um, they have a whole bunch of skills that the cannabis industry didn't have in the last 20 years. And, uh, and if forced to, a black market will be created that will be epically, you know, proportionate and uh, they'll realize that prohibition of any product like this is uh, more disastrous than prohibition against drugs has been. Yeah, and part of the key thing that the BC provincial government has outlined today is a massive effort on the education side. What troubles me, though, and they say it over and over and over again, is that this is going to be a, a youth-led initiative. So what does that mean? Well, I'll use the exact terminology that the education minister used, and that was unleashed. We're going to unleash youth on youth. Yeah. And that sounds to me like is bullying. Like, really, if I want to write the headline for today, it's it's uh, the B.C. provincial government okays bullying in a high school. So, like, and so that bullying, it, it, no, there's no way youth can lead this initiative because because adults have a problem even getting all the information that they need to find out whether or not vaping is harmful or not. So yeah. this is just going to be the same anti-vaping propaganda shoved down kids' throats, then they're going to be turned into active little units to then go and, uh, well, bully their peers. You know, you had, a, you had an um, episode where you uh, interviewed Michael Purley about six to 12 months ago. Do you remember that one? Yep, that was in and, uh, March of, last, of this year, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and the funniest line that you had there is, so listen, you know, if nicotine is going to affect brain development, yeah, you talked and said to Michael, so explain to me, okay, how rocket sciences were created, because they all smoke at NASA. So, like, if there was brain development issues, and show me, show me the science, the peer-reviewed science on this issue. I, I think one of the biggest misnomers is this whole thing, because I have a whole research team at my company. I got more PhDs, okay, and cytotoxicity, blah, blah, blah guys, okay, in labs. And I've looked, and I can't find it. Have you found anything that's conclusive evidence that says, okay, that you know kids turn out to be dummies, or okay? I mean, there is it. There isn't, and every major researcher we've spoken with um, has said that it's not the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only the only thing with the, with nicotine, I mean, let's see. We're getting a little bit later in the show here, so I might as well do it. But I mean. They've got, there's a philosophical problem that they've got with nicotine. I, I believe that they like pot because it's a left-wing drug. And yeah. they hate nicotine because they see it as a part of the colonialism and imperialism and slave trade uh, that happened, you know, uh, when North America was founded. And last but not least, as tobacco was a, is native to America, it was Native Americans' peace uh, drug. And so really, the white man stole the Natives' peace drug and turned it into slavery. Yeah. No wonder they hate nicotine. Yeah, I get it. I mean, clearly nicotine is addictive. Okay, how detrimental that addiction is, um, I don't know. I, I don't see still why governments aren't as concerned with the higher incident rates in youth in, okay, uh, distracted driving while texting that kills people. And let's add up those numbers. 
or okay, kids drinking, which is way higher and on the increase on the increase, okay, and has definite okay addiction issues, has definite okay uh, disease issues, right? And okay, if we think there's a gateway uh, effect, yeah, if you start drinking young, you're going to be drinking your whole life, right? Um, I never uh, developed a taste for let's say scotch or whiskey, two specific alcohols. I never will. um, I, I don't really have a huge attraction to alcohol in general, except the fact that I'm Irish and, you know, God only knows I love my uh, Guinness, right? <laughs> uh, but uh, <laughs> that's just uh, DNA, uh, I think. Um, but Brent, I mean, you know what? We're okay. Listen, they have done a better job in BC than most. Um, there's a lot worse case scenarios. I can't tell you how many times I've had to experience over the last two months listening to friends of mine cry, okay, um, as their businesses was, were extinguished in front of their eyes with no opportunity to fight back. I mean, just like, hey, tomorrow cops are in your store uh, pushing you to take your stuff out. I mean, just these are people that really believed, had good business, were honest, didn't sell to kids, um, and their businesses are gone, right? Uh, I'm watching the, the ramifications globally, okay, uh, of this hysteria of misinformation. And that's what it is. Uh, I really enjoyed one uh, article, I think today, that was uh, in Forbes. Um, and uh, and they were talking about a number of issues, okay, well, relative to the White House uh, appearing to reconsider the flavor ban. Uh, but they were more importantly talking about media outlets continuing to publish confusing reports uh, about this lung illness, uh, a valley as they call it. Um, and uh, and the reality is is that there is a deafening set of misinformation out there that's being broadcast today. I can't listen. I mean, we just listened this week. I mean, they had on every news outlet about um, that case in, I believe, in Minnesota or Wisconsin uh, of a kid that had to have a double lung implant uh, transplant. Yeah. Uh, um, they never said cannabis or THC illicit drugs once. They never said once what the specific uh, epidemiology for the uh, the cause of this, um, you know, illness for this uh, person was. Um, and they're doing that in Canada. They're still pushing it out. I saw multiple times today that there's two cases of lung illness or a valley as uh, CDC refers to it now. Okay. And nothing tying those illnesses with a wealth of evidence now, a wealth of evidence uh, from the FDA and the CDC. Um, so when is Health Canada going to conclude uh, reality of what we knew uh, three weeks into it, which any epidemiologist could have concluded based upon the evidence of data um, within two weeks of the outbreak in, in the middle of the summer? Um, For sure. Right. So, hey, uh, just a, a, a note. Uh, and this is, I think it's important to bring up and it's for you, Sean, because you've just done it twice. And, and this is for everybody out there. Cause I've heard it off and on a little bit too much. We shouldn't use it at all. If you'll notice that RegWatch has never once used the acronym that the CDC is trying to get the public to use, uh, to describe the so-called vaping related lung illness. So yeah. I would advise you, Sean, and everybody yeah. that whenever if you use that E thing word, that acronym, mm-hmm. you are used you're you're participating in the CDC's 
uh, use of language as a weapon. So yeah. they are trying to make this disease or illness something to sound authentic, to sound credible, to sound scientific. And that's why um, they've got this acronym. Um, and so, I mean, it's just all I, I agree. Crap, I agree. Right? I, I add to that THC. Okay. You know why they use the word THC? Because only 11% of adults understand that THC is a uh, the psychoactive component of cannabis. They never use the word cannabis. They use THC vape cartridges at the best. Right. Or they just say vape in general, even worse. Right. Oh, but yeah. when they do it, they say t uh, THC. I was uh, heartened. Uh, when the uh, health uh, lady that uh, stood up today, I can't remember her title, um, but she was obviously a leader of a health unit in BC, and she at least explained what THC was, okay, the psychoactive component of cannabis. Uh, because, you know, no one gets that. They think it's like, you know, uh, PGV, we do use all sorts of acronyms, PGVG, right, in this marketplace. THC, yeah, that's just another thing that's part of a, a, a vape liquid, right? Uh, yep, absolutely. And just mindful of your time, and, and yeah, I've got a couple of yeah. questions here, too, that some viewers have asked. Uh, first first off, to knock this off, the tax. The concern about taxation always is one where that starts, you know, inching up, and then it starts making vaping products more comparable in terms of cost as as, as smoking. And mm -hmm. obviously, the, the cost savings that you get from vaping over smoking is a huge huge benefit and it's one that's so rarely discussed uh yeah. and and it's one of the biggest reasons why people quit smoking eventually they just get broken by the tax hey listen um i i'm gonna hold the bc government's foot to the fire our industry is okay the regulatory watches are going to hold bc's foot to the fire if they're saying that they're taking this pa uh, pst taxation ad this excise tax and they're directly relaying it I'm going to make sure they spend it to the dollar. I'm also going to make sure these education programs are completely science-based. And I don't want to see rhetoric like I saw from an education minister uh, inferring that uh, vaping uh, can lead to cancer because there's no evidence of that as well. So, hey, listen, if they're going to use this tax, I mean, it, it's a slippery slope. Okay, do I like it? No. Does anybody like it? No. No one's going to say that they like it. Okay, but hey, listen, I'm dealing with 30, 40, 50, 65 percent taxes, okay? Massachusetts just announced today a 95 percent wholesale tax, right, that, that, that they've uh, put a bill in for. 95 percent. And also, too, that if you've got products that you aren't supposed to have in your car, they can confiscate your car? Yeah, 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 exactly. If you have a, a vape uh, that has not been taxed, how the hell do you do that? I, like there's like there's no way. I mean, it's just so confusing, right? Well, they, these people yeah. have lost their mind. They're captured by uh, mania. Uh, Gadsad, famous uh, philosopher and, and political commentator out of Montreal, calls it mind parasites. You know, because it's not just this issue. There's also all the other issues that these people. Um, you know, I call them shiny suit social justice warriors. They're not the pink haired yeah. ones. They're the shiny suit ones. And yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and they're, they're slick. Yeah, they're slick, yeah. and they're captured by the same mind parasites as any SJW. Uh, you know, as any social justice warrior would have. You can't explain this kind of reasoning. There, well, there's no reasoning and no logic. Yeah. You know, Brent, without a doubt, what's happened is a press release today. 
that's it. They haven't published uh, a significant document. Okay. There's question whether legislatively they can uh, just adopt underneath their, their Tobacco Vaping Product Act a tax increase. Uh, there's already been comment in media that they might have to legislate, go to legislation uh, to change a tax code. Um, so we'll see. Um, I would like to see published as soon as possible something that isn't confusing, something that isn't incomplete, and provides full disclosure of information on this new regulation. Um, and I hope that there's a wealth of evidence uh, of anything that they okay, push through, uh, because the, the industry is going to uh, demand it. Um, you know, that they are acting responsibly. They have an issue. I think that they've addressed it uh, the best possible that we could expect. Um, I see it as a template, um, and I see it as hopefully a government. Uh, I've never dealt with an NDP government uh, per se uh, yet in Canada. Um, but I'm looking forward to the experience. Uh, I hope to see some open-mindedness, uh, and I hope to see that they still understand what Health Canada does, because this is what they're going to have to merge to, okay, that this is a pathway for adults to get off the leading cause of preventable death in Canada, okay? This is a cost that the province burdens specifically with health care costs. Um, and, uh, you know, BC has a very high... Uh, smoking rate, not as high as, say, Saskatchewan, I think has one of the highest, apart from Quebec, but it's up there in the top four or five uh, provinces in Canada. Um, there's definitely death attached to tobacco, right. and they were not addressing that. Even the FDA better addresses in all of their rhetoric, um, all the rhetoric coming from the White House that I've been dealing with, um, better addresses that, okay, uh, from the FDA and the White House. So I really hope that we see that come out of uh, this uh, province's government and that, that we see that the start, this initial uh, published uh, PR conference is followed through uh, with great detail and um, knock, knock, okay, uh, Minister Dix, okay, CVA is here. Um, we have been a stakeholder for five years. We represent the independent industry. We have a great desire uh, to accomplish the same goals uh, that you guys have there in BC, and that's to remove the youth uptake issue. And Sean, let me ask you, uh, and we, we are definitely going to be wrapping up here. I, the last one really on Canada, um, I've been asked to find out from you what we know about Nova Scotia. Uh, we're going out there right now. Um, our executive director, Daryl Tempest, is hoping to meet with them as early as tomorrow, um, and we'll find out. Okay, there's not been a lot of published data as to what they what they were doing. Just like this, there was no no one knew, right? CBC, CTV, none of the global, none of the media sources had any early indication, except that they've been working on it clearly since March. We had known that they were working on something. We know Edmonton, uh, Alberta is working on something. Saskatchewan's working on something. Um, remember that one of the premises that we put into Nova Scotia is a two-year mandatory review. Um, so. Uh, I'm optimistic um, that uh, we can further refine re uh, regulation right now. The lung issue is not a nicotine vape issue. Um, that's a cannabis issue. And the Canadian government and the provinces selling cannabis and making tax money from it uh, should be responsible to make sure that illicit uh, black market oil cartridges uh, using cannabis oil 
uh, are properly controlled because we're not going to allow in Canada, okay, the same amount of incidents of kids using black market uh, drugs and getting sick. And we don't want that to happen just as much as we don't want kids uh, vaping. Uh, so we hope that in Nova Scotia, we'll find out in the next week. Um, our team has been working tirelessly. As a volunteer board, uh, I can tell you to all your viewers, as you well know, uh, having dealt with CVA for so long, Brenton, following us you know, very closely, uh, it, it's a tireless, thankless job. And, uh, and it's a volunteer job. And this board is working uh, at, at breakneck speed, is working tirelessly uh, to achieve a lot of things with a small group of people with a limited budget. Um, and uh, we really hope that we'll get through this whole turn of events. Um, we were happy in the federal election that every one of the leaders uh, looking uh, at being elected as prime minister, including our new prime minister, uh, re-elected uh, Justin, uh, has said they're going to they're make decisions on regulation and policy on science-based evidence. And that's what needs to happen. Um, we believe that science is catching up with vaping, as we've been saying for the last two years. And science has caught up with the fact that uh, all this lung issue uh, that CDC so inappropriately create, created such a hysteria over, okay, had nothing to do with the industry that we represent. And that's adults, okay, converting from tobacco and finding an alternative source for their nicotine uh, in a much less harmful. And they, that one other thing, BC said harm reduction a couple times. And I was glad of that too. They're, they were bringing that up because that is the narrative that I want to hear, harm reduction. And that definitely is for sure. So John, just right before I, the last question, I want to make sure we put our little pitch in to head over to support.regulatorwatch.com and uh, dig into that old wallet there and uh, pull out a few dollars and help us keep going. And a lot of you have done that in the last uh, month and a half, but we still need more. And uh, obviously we just came back from Washington, D.C. and we killed it. Uh, yeah, unbelievable coverage. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. One of our yeah. Let uh, me make the pitch. Let me make the pitch. Okay. Well, let and you every make the person pitch. that person that's watching this, please understand the impact that Reg Watch has had for four plus years. Uh, we are narrating from a professional journalistic point of view um, a narrative of the the best interviews with the most impactful, uh, influential interviews with the people in the, on the marketplace. Uh, there's nothing like RegWatch. I've been a supporter, uh, a diehard supporter uh, with my company. And when we say supporter, I don't care whether it's five bucks, okay, or $5,000, okay, depending on the size of your company. I, I don't care whether it's a one time, I've got a little bit extra money and I'm really uh, excited about it, um, or whatever. But you really, really need to support this coverage, guys. Uh, this is crucial to what we've accomplished in Canada. It should be crucial again uh, to what we accomplish in the United States. And I know there's a lot of international viewers out there that really enjoy this. I talk to uh, my international clients in Europe all day long. And, uh, and believe me, uh, this is critical to the narrative of the future of this harm reduction technology, RegWatch. 
Well, and thank you, Sean, and obviously thank you, which I do all the time, thankfully. Yeah, yeah, you don't have an to. Anchors, an anchor supporter, yeah. And just remind everybody, you know, um, we have 100% editorial control over our content, and because we do have that, uh, we can bring our supporters on and interview them as sources for stories because, you know, that's who we are. We're RegWatch. So, Sean, let me throw a last question at you here. And this is a U.S.-orientated one. We both just came back from Washington, D.C. It's a total freaking nightmare down there. Uh, it, it, and, you know, for your business even, right, which I talk about all the time, you're the flavor guy. And, yep. uh, and so it's a disaster. So you've had some close discussions uh, with some people in power. I don't want to let it out. I'll let you decide how much to let out. But yeah. what have you heard from who and what can you share? Well, I think that, I mean, ultimately, the, the funniest thing about all of this is that between bureaucrats, between um, state governors that are defaulting on their MSA uh, bonds um, and media specifically, the misinformation has literally led Trump to his own static line of uh, fake news affecting his decision. Um, I, I believe that right now um, the, the American marketplace understands that as an industry we represent uh, enough votes, enough jobs that we can't be extinguished. I think they realize the uh, immense okay, health impact crisis okay, that would be created by uh, turning off or killing flavors. Uh, as I've always said, okay, kids like them, adults need them. And that's the differential. Um, this industry does not move forward without flavors, uh, bar none, plain and simple. And I think that they have understood that. Um, and I'm really, really positive from my information, and I won't divulge what information I have, but clearly I'm lucky enough to have, you know, a federal legal team, FDA legal team uh, that works for my company and, and lobbyists and direct information as being a board member of VTA, the leading you know, advocacy organization that's really killing it right now. I really enjoyed that Tony interview and making an impact in everything that they're doing right now. I mean, they're really killing it uh, and making a difference. Um, and uh, I think that we're going to see a turnaround. I think we're going to see something positive. I, I am a pessimist at heart. Okay, you know, um, and uh, and I love to feel idealistic, um, and I think we're going to see a, a big change to this industry, but we're going to see a future to this industry. And I just pray and hope, okay, to all of those small businesses in the United States and Canada, okay, that okay you're able to make payroll, okay, and hunker down. My biggest advice. I mean, I'm on the phone all day long and. And I get involved in social media, and my greatest advice is, guys, hunker down, okay, tighten your uh, belt, okay. We're going to go through a rough six months, um, but I, we're going to come out the other side. So do whatever you have to do uh, to get through, right? Um, well, that's I mean that's great advice, Sean. I mean, and nothing better to end on, and it's definitely you know got some hope. It's a it's a message, you know, hunker down. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we can there's hope. There's, there's hope. There's hope. Yeah. There's hope. The hope. That's the one question I used to always ask people at the end of an interview. Is there hope? I don't do that anymore. I just ask, yeah. is there action plan? Uh, that kind of thing. So, Sean, thanks again for coming on the show tonight and wish you well, my friend. 
Okay, buddy. Always great being seeing you. Thanks, Scott. Well, that's it for this edition of Reg Watch. Before you head off, obviously go to support.regulatorwatch.com and dig into that wallet and find a few dollars. You will be happier for it. And while you do that, don't forget to like us on Facebook and please do follow us on Twitter. For regulatorwatch.com, I'm Brent Stafford.